on time. Good. At the end, if you want, I mean, feel free to kind of go as long as the last song or whatever. We going in now? We got it? Okay. Hello? Hello? All right. No. It might be my Maybe not. Hello? Can you hear me? Okay. Well, good morning. It's good to see, um, especially people's family and friends that are in town for Thanksgiving. Anybody in town for Thanksgiving and willing to admit it so we can just celebrate you and thank you for being here this morning? Okay, just a few people, just a few people. Thank you for venturing home to your parents' church and everything else. We're glad that you're here this morning. And as we enter into uh, this week of Thanksgiving and into the Christmas season, you know, we're entering in that time of year when children, when marketers and mailers and more are letting us know what the hot gifts are this season. And believe it or not, I love to follow what the hot gifts are and the different shopping trends. Because for many years, I was a hardcore Black Friday shopper. Anybody with me? Anybody with me? Just a few. Okay. Many years. This is back when Black Friday started on Friday, and it started about 6 o'clock a.m. And so when I was in high school and even into college with my buddies, we would get up at about 3.30, 4 a.m. In Conyers, we would go over to the Circuit City. Y'all remember Circuit City? We'd go over to Circuit City. We'd wait in line in the cold, and it was fun, and then we'd go get our electronics that we wanted, um, that we wanted for ourselves, and then we'd go over to Toys R Us, get toys for our cousins, and watch the parents of small children fight it out over the hot toys that year, and then we'd go to Mamie's Kitchen and eat country ham and sausage biscuits, and it was, it was a fun ritual. It was fun for a season, but now it started so early, it's a little bit crazier. I'm getting older. I'd rather sleep in and just shop on Amazon and be, you know, that, that's just how I am these days. But every year, this time of the year, I do love to look at the ads, and I get a little nostalgic thinking about, oh man, what would it be like to wake up early and get in line? I'm like, no, I'm not going to do it. But I was looking at what some of the hot items were this year, and that got me thinking about some of the hot toys from years back. I mean, do you remember the toy that was the trendiest toy when you were little? Slinky. Slinky. Nice. Jax, is anybody going to say Jax in here? You know? But we had, uh, we had, you know, we all have it from our different generations. And so Atari, all right, we got Atari. For me, you know, I was kind of the Tickle Me Elmo generation. I didn't have one. That was a little bit after me. But Tickle Me Elmo kind of comes up every year. But I was looking at the different toys and the trends and I actually came upon a list of some of the hottest ones. And I put together a fun video of some of the toy trends of years past. And so whatever toy you identify with will kind of reveal your age. And so I want you to sit back for a couple minutes and watch this together. The Cabbage Patch Kids. Each doll is different and you can pretend to adopt them. My baby has a real diaper. You can love and care for them like your very own. You're a pal. You're the only one. I love you. They're each one of a kind. They're Cabbage Patch Kids. Who's giving everybody the giggles? It's Tickle Me Elmo. When your child tickles him, he talks, laughs, and his whole body shakes. Tickle Me Elmo and his Tickle Me friends from the Tycho Sesame Street family. Hey, Furby! Hey, Furby! Yeah? Show me a dance. Hey, Furby! Do? Tell me a joke. Knock, knock. Hey, Furby! What? Sing me a song. Me, no. Listen. With new Furby, you never know what's going to happen. You just got to say, Hey, Furby! Tamagotchi. Need love and care. Girl or boy. y'all don't even know what this is. You can raise, grow from egg to adult. Your Tamagotchi. Bump, bump. 
wild to think of the progression, right, from Cabbage Patch dolls to this little robot that you can program to do crazy things and that can recognize people's faces. I mean, there's a lot of different toys that have come and have gone over the years, and whenever I'm looking at the, the ads and, and the Black Friday stuff and the shopping trends, I can't help but think of how trendy the world is that we live in, how some things are hot for a season and then they're not anymore. And if you've been with us the last few weeks, you know that we've been in this series called Timeless, where we're looking at this big idea, how in a trendy world, the best things in life are timeless. And this morning, I want to talk with you about how in a world that loves giving trendy gifts, the best gifts in life that we can give to one another and to God are actually timeless. And we're going to be looking at one of those gifts that we can give to one another and God this morning that is the perfect gift no matter the year, no matter the season, no matter your age, and that is the gift of gratitude. Gratitude. Gratitude is simply being thankful or grateful. And this is the time of the year, right, when we begin seeing all the articles about gratitude on Facebook and on the news. And I actually came across an article on gratitude in the Wall Street Journal the other day, and it was on cultivating a life of gratitude. And the article was based on a lot of the research by Dr. Robert Emmons. And he is a psychologist at UC Davis. And his main focus in psychology is researching gratitude and the effects of gratitude and people who live lives of gratitude towards other people. And there was a lot of benefits, a lot of amazing benefits. I mean, they found there's a lot of physical benefits when you're living a life of gratitude and expressing that to other people. Studies have shown you have stronger immune system lower blood pressure, and you tend to sleep longer and feel more rested in the morning. Can we get an amen for that? Who doesn't want that? But then there's the psychological benefits. There's higher levels of positive emotions. There's more joy and pleasure. And then the social benefits. People who live lives of gratitude tend to be more generous, more compassionate, and more willing to go out and to try new things. And those are all amazing benefits to gratitude. But the article goes on to say that Actually, a lot of people don't live lives of gratitude. Only 52% of women and 44% of men express gratitude on a regular basis. Fortunately for us, the research showed that people who are religious tend to express gratitude more, which is good. Because Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So if you've ever asked yourself the question, what is God's will for my life? Well, here's one aspect of it. It is to give thanks. But if you're anything like me, sometimes you struggle with this. Because in the midst of Thanksgiving and cooking and cleaning and then in the shopping for Christmas and getting everything ready and all of that, a lot of times it's a gift that we forget to give other people. And so we don't express gratitude even though it's the perfect gift and it has a transformational impact on us and on other people. And so this morning I want us to look at gratitude and begin thinking about how we can live lives of gratitude. And to do that, we're going to look at a story from Luke's gospel that helps reveal the true nature of gratitude and its transformational power. And so the story comes to us in Luke's gospel, chapter 17, beginning in verse 11. So if you have the insert in your bulletin, you can pull that out. It's printed there if you have a Bible. And if you don't have a Bible, we have them available for you for free at the Welcome Center. We'd love to give that to you as a gift on your way out this morning. And so Luke chapter 17. In verse 11, here's what we find. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. 
And when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, he saw he was healed. And he came back, praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. And then Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Now there are a number of interesting things going on in this story. First, we have Jesus traveling with his disciples from Galilee to Jerusalem, Galilee, where he did most of his earthly ministry, and Jerusalem, where he would ultimately be crucified. And between those two regions was the area of Samaria, but Jews often went as far away from Samaria as they could because the Jews and the Samaritans didn't get along. They had a lot of bad blood. They had different views of of worship, different views of scripture. They had historical fighting and bloodshed between the two groups. And so they did whatever they could to kind of separate themselves from one another. But here Jesus is with his disciples going near this land that other people avoided at all costs. And as Jesus is going near this land that other people avoided, a group of people that people avoided came near him. A group of lepers, 10 lepers, and they yelled out to Jesus, have mercy on us, have pity on us. This was a reasonable request because their lives, well, their lives were tough and they were very marginalized in that day and time. See, leprosy in the Bible is, is a term that covers many different skin diseases and ailments beyond Hansen's disease, which we call leprosy today. But these people who had these skin diseases, leprosy, they were marginalized socially because other people didn't want to be with them because they didn't want to get infected. They were marginalized spiritually because they were deemed unclean. And so according to the law in Leviticus, they couldn't be a part of the temple and take part in regular worship or be anywhere near it. In most societies, they had to live outside the gates of the cities. And so it makes sense that they were traveling in a pack because... The only other people they could hang out with were other lepers. And so here these people were, people marginalized in every aspect in their lives. They come to Jesus crying out for mercy. And what does Jesus do? He says to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And that might not mean much to you. But for them, that meant everything. Because the priests are the ones who determined whether somebody was clean or unclean. Whether they could be reintegrated into society. So they knew exactly what Jesus meant. And they probably just ran as fast as they could to the priest. And they probably thought for a second, wait a second. Jesus hasn't healed us yet, but they trusted Jesus. They trusted him. They obeyed him. And as they went in obedience... And in trust, they were cleansed. They were healed of their skin diseases. And one of them, as he was running, he saw what was going on. And he realized that he had been healed. And so he stopped. He stopped, turned around, and went back to give gratitude to Jesus. And there he yelled out praises to God. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. And I love this final image of the scene of this healed leper, this, this former leper, this Samaritan, kneeling at the feet of Jesus in praise and thanksgiving. It's a beautiful scene of God's mercy, of God's love, of God's healing power which comes to not just the Jewish people but to the Samaritans as well not just to people who have it together but people who are on the margins not just for the rich but also for the poor not just for me but also for you this is a beautiful scene 
of Jesus' all-encompassing love, mercy, and grace for humanity. But Jesus kind of breaks the mood in the scene. Because as this man is kneeling at Jesus' feet in praise and thanksgiving, Jesus asks him a very tough question. He says to the man, weren't all ten of you cleansed? Where are the other nine? And I imagine the man at Jesus' feet switching his prayers from thanksgiving to, to just prayers of like, okay, God, help me through this moment because I don't know what to say. I mean, what was he supposed to say for his friends who didn't come back? Jesus is asking him, he's probably praying this is a rhetorical question, and thankfully Jesus didn't make him answer the question. Instead, Jesus broke that silence and said something very significant. He said to the man, you have been made well. Your faith has made you well. And this is an interesting phrase here because the man, he had been healed. But now Jesus says that he's gotten something more. And made you well in the Greek is the word sozo. And it's a word that means salvation, rescue, healing, or wholeness. It's an all-encompassing word. And so we realize that this man, he has been made whole as he returned to give gratitude to the giver of the gift. He's received something the other people didn't. And as far as the other nine go, Luke doesn't tell us what happened to them or why they didn't come back and give thanks. But, I mean, we can guess, right? I mean, if I had to make a guess, I bet some of them didn't come back and give thanks to God because they got too busy. And they forgot. I mean, they probably saw that they were healed and they went to the priest and then as soon as they left the priest, they went back to their children that they hadn't seen for years. Or they went back and they spent time with their family or, or they tried to get a job so that they could start having some of these goods that other people had. I mean, they probably just began going through their everyday lives and they probably thought every once in a while, wow, that was awesome that Jesus healed me, but they never took time to stop and to go thank him. They just went on about their lives. They were busy. I bet a couple of them probably didn't come back because they didn't feel the need to thank God or Jesus. They probably felt entitled to the healing. I mean, perhaps they had interpreted their leprosy as a divine curse. And so when Jesus healed them, they said, big deal, God owed me this healing. I don't need to thank God for that. So they went on their way and when Thoughts of thanksgiving came into their minds. They just pushed them out. But I bet a lot of the other ones, as they went on their way and lived lives with healed skin, I bet every once in a while they, they, they felt thanks in their heart. But they still never went back and expressed it. And no matter their reasons... We find in this story that Jesus wasn't too pleased. He wasn't too pleased that they didn't come back and they didn't express gratitude. And I think that's because of this. Because Jesus knew that unexpressed gratitude actually communicates ingratitude. Unexpressed gratitude actually communicates ingratitude. I mean, think about Jesus in this story. He wasn't doing this to be thanked. But here these men were. They come to him and they ask him for this healing. They ask him for this gift. And Jesus generously gives it to them. And then they take the gift and they just run off, never giving him a second thought or never returning to give thanks. I mean, really, they treated him like a divine vending machine. They came to him they told him what they wanted, got it, and went on their way. And I mean, I, do we blame them? I mean, this is a trendy thing to do. We do this to God all the time, right? 
We go to God and we pray, God, please make a way when there seems like no way. God, please help me, give me health, God. I'm in this financial crisis. I pray that you would see me through it. And a lot of times God intervenes and God answers our prayers. And what do we do? Maybe we feel a little gratitude in our hearts, but we just keep moving on our way. And we just get busy with our lives and we forget to go back and to give thanks. But it's not enough to just feel thanks in our hearts because unexpressed gratitude actually communicates ingratitude. This isn't just a trendy thing to do with God. Actually, we do this in a lot of our relationships if you think about it. One of the number one reasons that married couples are unhappy is because one of them feels like they're not appreciated. Because one of them, maybe they're making a lot of sacrifices. Taking the kids to school, they're doing cooking, they're working long hours, doing all of these things. And the other one in the relationship, well, they're grateful for it. But they never, they never express that gratefulness. And so what happens? Anger and resentment grow. Because unexpressed gratitude actually communicates ingratitude. It's not enough to just feel it. Gratitude is meant to be more than an attitude. It's meant to be something that's put into action. It's like Thanksgiving. It's an active thing, the giving of thanks. And so when I was preparing the sermon, I went to Emily and I said, Hey, Emily, tell me uh, one time when I have not expressed gratitude to you for some sacrifice you've made or something you've done for me. And you know what she said? She laughed. (laughs) She laughed, right? Because I'm still growing in this as well. We're all still growing in this. We all have room to grow in gratitude, but it's not just significant for marriages. It's also significant in friendships. And in the workplace, I mean, how many of you have a friend where you've been there for them? Day in and day out, you've made sacrifices for them and they've never said thank you. How does that make you feel? How many of you have ever worked for an ungrateful boss? (laughs) Lots of amens on that one. It's terrible, right? It's terrible. And actually, a recent study was done that showed that people would rather have a grateful boss than a 10% pay raise. They'd rather have a grateful boss than a 10% pay raise. And that's because unexpressed gratitude actually communicates ingratitude. And no one likes ingratitude. And so I think that's one reason why Jesus was a little concerned or perturbed at the end of this story when the other nine didn't come back. But I think another reason why Jesus was a little upset and maybe even sad was because Jesus knew that the other nine had missed out on a blessing that he wanted to give them. See, the one who came back got something the others different. Remember, it says he was made well. He was made whole. He was given this gift. And this gift came to him as he expressed gratitude. And this gift comes to us as we express gratitude as well. We're made whole because you and I were created to give gratitude. God, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, is love. And God's love is a self-giving and generous love. Our God is a generous God. And so God created the entire cosmos. He created you. He created me out of love. He redeemed us out of love. Every good gift we have in our lives is a gift from God. And the proper response to all of that is to give gratitude back to God. But you see, you and I are also made in the image of God. And so we're called to reflect God's self-giving love. We're called to love other people and to give generously of ourselves to other people as well. And the proper response to that generosity is gratitude. 
And so when we express that generosity to others, proper response is gratitude. When other people express generosity to us, the proper response is gratitude. There's this cycle. Generosity and gratitude. And when the cycle is working well, we are experiencing hope, joy, peace, contentment, wholeness. But when the cycle breaks down and there's a lack of gratitude or a lack of generosity somewhere in this, then we actually start experiencing fear, resentment, pride, anger. And so at the end of this story, we're kind of left with this question. Which type of person are we going to be? Are we going to be like the one who came back and gave gratitude and who lived as God intended him to live? Or are we going to be like the nine? Are we going to live like the majority of these folks? Not giving gratitude to the giver of every good gift in our lives. Now, I know what Jesus wants for you. And I know what I want for you, but this is a decision we have to each make in our own hearts. And so this morning, I want to help you become the person that God wants you to be. A person who expresses gratitude in every aspect of their life. Not just to Him, but also to others. And so I want to give you five practical ways that you can express gratitude to God and to others. And so this is a great thing for Thanksgiving week. And so if you want to take notes and write these down, I want to invite you to do that. And the first thing I want to encourage you to do is to reflect on God's goodness and give thanks to Him in prayer. Reflect on God's goodness and give thanks to Him in prayer. You see, it's as we reflect on the good news of the gospel that gratitude grows in us. When we remember the grand truths that God created this world, that God created us, and that even while we were yet sinners, God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, into this world to redeem us, to rescue us, to die on the cross for us, to rise again for us. When we remember those things, gratitude grows. And God has given us so many good gifts. God has given us the gift, a gift by faith to live abundantly here and now and to live eternally with Him in the future by trusting in Jesus for our salvation. And that's good news for us. Everything we have in our lives, our church family, our family, friends, food, all of those things are good gifts that God has given to us. Gifts that we don't even really deserve. Everything in our life is a gift of grace from God that He's given to us. And it's as we remember those things that gratitude begins to grow. But gratitude doesn't need to just stay inside of us. We need to express that gratitude to God through prayer. And there's lots of different ways you can do this. Emily and I, before we go to bed each night, we simply give prayers of gratitude to God. Sometimes we're really tired and it lasts about 30 seconds. Sometimes we take five minutes and we just say, God, thank you for, for this moment at work today. God, thank you for your provision in this area. We just list out things that we're thankful for together. I know other people, they have these gratitude jars. Have you seen these gratitude jars? It's like a mason jar and it just has little sheets of paper next to it. And people keep them by their doors and when they come home from work or when they're going out for the day, they simply write down things that they're grateful for. And they put them in the jar as a sign that they're grateful to God. And then every once in a while, they pull them out. They revisit them and read them. I know other people who keep a gratitude journal. And this is an amazing activity if you've never had uh, like a prayer journal. And they just simply write down things that they're grateful for to God each day as prayers or just as a list. And what happens is you're able to go back 
and see God's goodness and God's faithfulness in your life when you're experiencing tough times. And you're able to remind yourself and remember all the good things that God has given you. Or even just in your prayer time, just remembering to give thanks instead of always just asking for gifts from God. These are all different ways that we can remember the good news and express gratitude to God through prayer. So that's one way. Another thing you can do is to write thank you notes to people. Write thank you notes to people. And this is simple, but I know a lot of people have a few days off work this week, and so this is a great thing to do on one of your days off. It takes about five to ten minutes, and all you have to do is think back upon your life. Every step of the way, God has placed people in your life on purpose and for a purpose. And what a great gift to give them to simply just say thank you. None of us are self-made people. We weren't created to do things on our own. And so expressing that gratitude to others is an amazing, encouraging, beautiful gift that we can give them. And it costs 50 cents. So that's the second thing, write thank you notes. The third thing you can do is to give a gift of gratitude. I don't know if you're anything like me, but have you, have you started making your shopping list yet of who you need to buy gifts for? You know, you got your great aunt Gertrude, you got your grandniece twice removed. You have all these people that you kind of have to buy gifts for, and that's okay, that's cool. But what if you added some other people to your list this year? And while you're out shopping, you just got a little token of your gratitude for someone else. And then you gave it to them this year, and you just said, hey, I was just thinking of you, and I'm grateful to all the ways that that you love me and that you encourage me and that you've been there for me. And you just give them a little tangible expression of your love and gratitude for them. I mean, how awesome would that be? How encouraging would that be to someone on the receiving end of that? And it doesn't take much. You're already out shopping. Just add something else and give a tangible gift of gratitude to someone else this year. If you love to bake, who doesn't love to receive homemade baked goods? It's a tangible expression of your love for someone else. So that's the third thing. And the fourth thing I want to encourage you to do, if if this is kind of your style, is to publicly give gratitude to someone through social media. And when we get on our phones these days, on on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and everything, there's so much negativity. There's so much vitriol. There's so much division. But what if you didn't go with being trendy and posting stuff like that, but instead you posted something encouraging? Instead... Maybe this week you just gave a shout out to somebody and you said, hey, I am so thankful for my mother. I'm so grateful for the ways that she has helped raise me. And you just, you just blessed her publicly and sent that out there. I guarantee it will be such an encouragement to other people beyond just the two of you. And it will be contagious because gratitude is contagious. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a friend. But just sharing publicly your gratefulness to someone can have a huge impact beyond yourself and your own relationship. It can be a gift for many other people as well. And the final thing I want to encourage you to do is to consider giving gratitude to God by sharing your testimony. Giving gratitude to God by publicly sharing your testimony. If you and I think about it, we can think of so many moments that God has been faithful to us. That God has been good to us, but a lot of times we just keep them to ourselves. But this week when you're with friends and you're with family, what if you just shared with them what God has been doing in your life and the gratitude that you have for that with other people? And so it's a great thing to do this week with friends and family, but also you're going to have the opportunity to do that here next week. Because next week, we're actually going to have a service of thanksgiving. And so we're going to sing songs of worship, and we're going to give thanks to God through praise. We're going to share in the Lord's Supper together. 
And we're going to give thanks to God as we, we share in that meal. And instead of a normal message next week, you're going to have the opportunity to publicly share your own testimony and to give gratitude to God publicly for what He's done in your life this last year. Now, I know that makes some of you extremely nervous, and we're not going to call on you and make you come up here. But I want to invite you to begin thinking and praying about whether you might want to come up here and speak next week of how God has been good to you this last year. Because sharing that publicly has a powerful, powerful impact. Gratitude is contagious. And so I'm probably not going to share much next week, so I thought I would go ahead and go this week. And this morning, I want to give gratitude to God and gratitude to y'all for receiving me as your pastor. Because it was about a year ago in our Methodist system where they come to us every fall and they they say, hey, do you want to stay at your church? Do you want to move? And they come to the church and they ask the church the same questions. And every year my church has said, oh, we want you to stay. And this last year, I was planning on getting married and something was stirring in my soul and I, I felt like God was calling me to step out in faith and move to a new church. So I put on the form that I'd like to move to a new place and everybody in my former church was like, no, 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 don't do that. <laughs> they were like, no, no, you don't know what's going to happen. You've you got it good here. You don't know how good you have it. And I was like, I know, I do have it good here. I'm very grateful. But I felt like God was calling Emily and I to start new together in a new season. So I turned in the form. And I don't know if you know how our system works, but when you turn in the form, you're stepping out in faith. And so we stepped out in faith, and for many months, we had no idea where we would be at this time this year. No clue. And then I found out we'd be coming to Harvest Point. And I was so excited, but I was also so nervous. <laughs> I was excited because I'd heard great things. Stephen bragged on y'all so much. But I was also nervous because it was like, do I have what it takes? Is, this is new. And I remember before that meet and greet, some of y'all were here for the meet and greet, probably May or June. Emily and I, we're driving down Simpson Mill Road, and we just pulled into the little neighborhood up here, up the road. We're like, okay, we got to just stop real quick. <laughs> we got to stop and we got to pray, because we were nervous. It felt like just stepping out into the unknown. And we just prayed to God, and we said, God, you've been faithful up to this point. Would you continue to be faithful, continue to be good to us? And we came in here, and everybody was very encouraging, received us warmly. One person said, whatever you do, don't be boring in your sermons. <laughs> I've always tried to take that to heart. I'm grateful. I'm actually grateful for that advice. And we had the meet and greet, and we were like, okay. We still didn't really know people, but then over the last number of months, through the listening tours and through so many other things, I've gotten to know you, Emily's gotten to know you, and I am so grateful. I'm grateful for your love, for your encouragement, for your wisdom, for the ways that you inspire me through your giving and through your generosity. I'm grateful that we're a church. When somebody new comes in, you receive them with love and encouragement. And you're not closed off. I'm so grateful that this is a church that's open to the Holy Spirit and to new things and to reaching new people for Christ and, and for reaching this community. There are so many things I'm grateful for. And this week I've been reflecting on them as I think back to a year ago and just checking that box on the form being like, who knows? But God has been good. And so that's my testimony today.
And next week you'll have the opportunity to share and you can just share a couple words. If you want to take a couple minutes and share, that's good as well. There's many different ways, but I want you to begin praying and thinking about how God might could use your testimony to bless other people. And I want to close by sharing this quote from you from a great theologian, N.T. Wright. He says this, In the normal and healthy Christian life, everything proceeds from God's generosity, and everything returns to God in thanksgiving. Grace, generosity, and gratitude, these are not optional extras of Christian living, but are the very heart of it all. This is the heart of who we are as God's people. People who give gratitude and people who live generous lives. Generosity and gratitude. That's who God created us to be. And so this morning as we close, if you'll open up your bulletins, you'll find in there a little three-by-five note card. If you don't have one of them, If you'll just slip up your hand, Emily has some extras here if you didn't happen to get a bulletin. But I want everybody to have have one of these note cards because if you know from my preaching and you've been here, you know that I don't want us to just be hearers of the word, but I want us to be doers of the word. And so this morning as we close, we're going to take a few minutes. And I want to invite you to express your gratitude to God on this card. Maybe it's by simply just writing a word. Maybe it's by writing out a prayer. But I want you to use this card and this opportunity as a way to tangibly give gratitude to God. And when the offering plates come around in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to turn that in as a gift of gratitude to the giver of every good gift. And so it doesn't have to be fancy or complicated. If you want to write your name on it, That's awesome. I'll be happy to to pray over them and give gratitude alongside of you. But if if you just want to leave it blank or just write a couple words, however you want to give gratitude to God on this card, if you want to draw a picture, whatever it is, this is an opportunity for you. So Emily's going to keep passing out the cards. And I'm going to give you just a couple minutes to think, to write, and to pray and to respond to God's goodness.
can keep writing if you need to. But at this time in our service, when we receive tithes and offerings, what we're really doing is we're having an opportunity to give God tangible signs of our gratitude, of our thanks to Him for loving us, for saving us, for giving us new life here and life for all eternity. And so this morning, when you give your tithes and offerings, know that these are an expression of gratitude to God. And as we give these cards, these are a tangible expression of our gratitude. And in this mysterious way, God uses these tangible expressions of our gratitude to bless other people in the world. God uses our gifts to bless children, like the 205 children who are going to be blessed around the world from the boxes we created for Operation Christmas Child. God uses our gifts to bless people like the hundred teachers that we blessed a couple weeks ago at Hampton High School when we reflected God's generosity and just gave to them freely a hot meal. God uses our gifts of gratitude to continue His work of generosity in the world. And so this morning, as you prepare your tithes and offerings and you prepare to place these cards in the offering plate, I want to just invite you to just hold these in the air as I pray over them this morning. God, we thank you. We thank you for your faithfulness. God, we thank you for making a way when it seemed like there was no way. God, we thank you for the ways that you've worked in our lives these last year that were large and this last year in ways that were small. And God, we recognize this morning that some of us don't feel like we have a lot to be grateful for, but maybe there's just one thing that's on this card. And God, we want to give you the gift of gratitude today. We want to be made whole. We want to be people who reflect you and your character. So God, we ask that you would receive these gifts of gratitude. We ask that you would bless them, that you would multiply them, and God, that you would send them out for your good work in the world. We thank you. We give you praise and we ask that you would give us hearts of gratitude this week and that it wouldn't stay in our hearts, but that it would be expressed through our actions to those around us and to you this week. Amen. are many they rise against me but I will hold my ground I will not fear the war I will not fear the storm my help is on the way my help is on the way oh my 
My God will come through 